Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Weekend Watchlist, brought to you by Footy Live, and welcome to the best weekend in footy. Preliminary funnel weekend, home ground advantages, cheering crowds, and none of the stress of having to organise a viewing party just yet. Just a date with yourself, your favourite app, and your favourite sport, and a date with destiny for four clubs as the, the winners await their tickets to the grand funnel. The cats are being flagged fancy as well since about... 10 years ago, will this finally be the year that they pull it off? Or will the feisty Lions resurgence continue all the way back to the G for a third time in four weeks? And many had Sydney marked down as Premiership Dark Horse as they're smoky, but everyone said, nah, they're a few seasons away. And Collingwood, well, no one saw them coming. Well, one of those two bolters will be joining them on the grand final stage come next week. And with me to separate the hot takes from their headlines and to give us the expert tips and analysis of who's heading to the grand final is for you live as the number one AFL analyst, Nick Guglielminio. And, uh, mate, how's your week been? Are you feeling finals fever, or is that just COVID that's getting us the, uh, the cough in this one? <laughs> no, I'm feeling the finals fever. I love preliminary final week. You summed it up well. It is the best week in footy. It's a bit like, it's a bit like Christmas. Like, Christmas Day is fantastic, but for me, the build-up to Christmas is the fun part, and... It all starts with preliminary final uh, week, um, and more often than not, the the prelim games are better than the the, the grand final itself. So I'm looking forward to it. I know th- th- these two games that we have, we're probably probably expecting uh, Geelong and Sydney to win their respective games, but I think there is a good chance for an upset in both games. But we'll talk about that shortly. Exactly right. And if this final series taught us anything, is it expect the upset. So, you know, as you said, Geelong on paper, way better than Brisbane. We'll preview it properly. Sydney on paper, way better than Collingwood. But we know how Collingwood's been going this season. And last week we said the same thing about the Melbourne Demons against Brisbane. Mm. We said, no chance, MCG, hoodoo, structure, commitment, defence versus this flaky attacking thing. Well, Brisbane said, nah, we're here to win and play finals, and they did just that. But where's it leave Melbourne? Now, we'll review all the clubs in the off-season in due course, but the big media watch moment has been Melbourne Demons. And when you are the Premier's elect and the reigning Premier's and on the you know on the cusp of a dynasty, which we like to throw around way too quickly these days, <laughs> yeah. when you don't make the grand funnel, let alone win it back-to-back, then all of a sudden it is a disaster, yes, pun intended. And Simon Goodwin admitted that he was he felt devastated or devastated potentially after a straight sets finals exit. And it left yeah. him feeling empty. It left the fans feeling empty. They spent their entire year defending their premiership inside the top four. They petered out in the back half and they petered out in the back half against Brisbane last week. Is that mission failed or is a top four finish and two weeks of finals okay for the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, no, 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 it's not to put it, um, in small terms, but I mean, look, they, they were 10 and 0 at one point in the season. And to, to think that from, from being 10 and 0 to going out in straight sets, that is a remarkable, uh, turnaround. It's, I think their, their second half of the season was six wins, eight losses from being 10 and 0. I mean, yeah, everyone expected them to... I mean, yes, being the top four, but at least win a final and maybe even at least make the grand final. Um, like you said, everyone jumped on the, uh, the the dynasty bandwagon and, yeah, they, they flopped completely. 
bit like the Melbourne uh, we were used to a couple of years ago, just um, yeah, not reaching those ex- expectations. And they fell way short this season um, and a very disappointing result at home, given they played two games at the MCG, which was meant to be their fortress. And yeah, I mean, we, we know we know what happened with Brisbane, with Danaher not being there. They were massive outsiders to win the game and they pulled off an incredible victory. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Brisbane can do in the prelim now. Absolutely. And it kind of uh, highlighted... Well, um, Goodwin said this in his post-match uh, communications and said, like, all of our weaknesses were highlighted by Brisbane. But all, also their strengths were kind of diminished as well. And I suppose the thing that's happened in the back half of this year is that Melbourne's invincibility glow is being uh, kind of worn down. And so, yes, they have an elite intercepting defence. Yes, they have a combative midfield. And that was kind of it. They weren't like a complete team, despite the fact they started the season 10-0, and despite the fact they had a barnstorming season last year. They they're not a, they're not they're nowhere near a dynasty team. Whereas like you know Hawthorne, Richmond, Brisbane in the early two thousands, you look at that. There's no weaknesses across the board, and you, no one could mm. quite work out how to beat this team consistently throughout the year, and especially in funnels. Whereas now it was kind of like if you just stay with them, if you can match them with their intensity and they can bat enough in the midfield, and you can be smart going forward and and, and lowering your eyes and not long bombing to their intercept markers. Well, yeah. there's their two strengths gone, and they've got not, they've got not much not much else, and that's yeah. all Brisbane. All Brisbane needed to do. It took a lot of effort. It took their best um, effort in the second half in terms of post clearance, pressure, ratings, and contested ball numbers. But they did it. They matched them, and then they went forward. And Brisbane has that flair, has that style that they they could back off. And as soon as you make Melbourne react quickly and uh, without just system and structure, then they they kind of got you know taken apart a little bit. And that's what yeah. that was the end result. So. Mm. maybe it's a blessing in disguise for Melbourne as a club. It lets them go back this year and reset and go, who do we need, what do we need to do? We can't rely on one or two elite aspects. We need to be above average across the board and then elite at the things we are elite at. And, uh, you know, it hurts now, but obviously it, it's it's not all over. They don't have to rebuild. They don't have to sack their coach. They're not no. they're not Essendon. They're not North no. Melbourne. It's all good. Don't worry about it, Dees. But uh, yeah. it, hurts. <laughs> it hurts when it happens early in the finals as well. I do think a lot of people. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago when they when they started to lose games, and admittedly, that's when we all realised that they may have been missing a few key players. We used to say, "Gee, they, they have such strength in on every line across the field." Um, but when they started to lose, you you started to realise maybe maybe they don't. I mean, outside of Oliver Gorn, Petrarca, those sorts of guys, Stephen May, um, I, I think they were a bit um, light in the forward line. Um, Again, when they needed a forward to kick to, they didn't have like a Buddy Franklin there to pull them out of the fire. They didn't have um, a Dustin Martin, a, a Cyril Rioli, a Paul Chapman, um, a player that those dynasty sides had um, to really rescue them. And um, yeah, Ben Brown was a bit quiet last week. And yeah, like you said, maybe maybe the loss could be a blessing in disguise to, to chase that sort of player. So... I mean, we'll see over the off-season, another piece or two, and, yeah, I think they'll be right back in the mix next season. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to be a top-eight side, if not a top-four side next year. It will be interesting because all the whispers seem to be like maybe, you know, Luke Jackson wants to go west, so therefore does Brody Grundy escape the uh, the Collingwood, Collingwood uh, nest and come over to Melbourne. And they seem mm. to do this. They seem, Like, Melbourne's recruiting seems to get more of the same pieces as backup. Yeah, but they never actually go and try and like add to the 
to their weapons. And Ben Brown was like that. Like Ben Brown was a lead-up player. They had a couple of those already. They don't have an out-and-out superstar up forward, especially like a tall key target. Yeah. And at the moment, if you're a club that has one, you're not going to be giving it to Melbourne. So it'll be very interesting to see how they wrangle their, their off-season. But that is a long way away, so let's crack in to what's most important, and that is the preliminary final weekend. The first game, Battle of the Big Cats. Two animals this weekend. Nice groupings there if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But the Cats and the Lions have sparked a modern-day rivalry that is as intense between the players as it is between the coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we've seen many times throughout their history, uh, they played out a 10-point thriller back in round four, uh, which went the, the long way, mostly due to a nice five-goal bag from Tommy Hawkins. Uh, that game swung, and, uh, you know, like, lots, of, lots of videotape will be available for the, for the coaches there to analyse and pick out and go, actually, you know, when this happens, when this happens, when this happens, expect some tactical masterclasses from two of the best in the competition. But uh, as we said at the top, on paper, this is Geelong's to lose. But uh, make the case of Brisbane, Nikki G, because they're on a, they're on a run. They got yeah. fire in the belly. So how can yeah. they win it? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, it, it's Geelong to lose. Everything points to a Geelong victory. Their their season, their their stats, the, the maturity in that group. Um, it should be a Geelong win and, and an easy one. But I think that momentum is going to play a key factor, not just in this game, but maybe across both preliminary finals. I th- again, we, there's been a lot of talk about that pre-finals buy, the notorious pre-finals buy. Um, Geelong have essentially played one game in almost a month of footy, as opposed to Brisbane, who are coming off. I mean, their, their be- belief right now is at an all-time high. They've, they got the MCG hoodoo off their back last week. Um, it was a massive upset victory, obviously. They are full of adrenaline. They're up and about. And they almost go into this game with um, a nothing-to-lose attitude. Everyone's expecting Geelong to win. Um, but again, can Brisbane go into this game with a bit of freedom um, and, yeah, with a bit of momentum, maybe catch the Cats off guard um, in the first quarter and um, get a few early goals on the board just to put a bit of pressure on Geelong. What, what goes in Geelong's favour... They've been there and done this before. They've made the grand final from these situations. They've got a lot of mature players to, I guess, you know, expect um, an up-and-about Brisbane to come out firing. But um, I I think there is a massive chance for Brisbane here. Uh, They get Joe Danaher back into the team. They've got the pieces. I mean, this is what Brisbane's fourth year in finals in a row. They're not not the Cubs anymore. They are... Mature, experienced, and finals-weathered side who have all the pieces to get the job done. So I just feel like riding off the lines would be a massive mistake. Um, they've got so many players that can just win the game off their own boot. Um, Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron, Joe Danaher, um, even um, Cam Rayner, a uh, very important player for them. So, yeah, I, I, I can't see... Um, I mean, Geelong will probably win. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be riding off Brisbane at this point. And it's very interesting the way these teams are matched up now because, you know, not so long ago, Geelong would definitely be like, you know, oh, how did Geelong win these games? Well, it's on the back of Dangerfield. It's on the back of some heroics from Selwood. It's on the back of Hawkins or or Cameron in more more recent times. But 
this this year it's been everyone just contributing. Like it is very much a, a, a club first mentality, and there's no reliance on you know five or six players. It is a very much twenty two effort. Whereas Brisbane does seem to have that reliance. Like, is it going to be Danaher returning? You know, is it going to be Charlie Cameron lining it up? Is it going to be Zorko or most importantly Neil? And mm. so obviously during the week, uh, Chris Scott's come out and said we will tag him. We will tag him now. I don't trust Chris Scott in the media, not because he's a liar, but because I think he's an expert tactician. Yeah. Why would he say this? Why would he say this? Why would he just Why? come out and say, is it getting in Lockie Neal's head? Are they going to go to him? Are they going to go to him hard? Is Lockie Neal nervous now? Like, everyone yeah. says we should send a tagger and the number one rule in AFL is not to do it, or not to admit to it. You do it, yeah. but you don't say about it. No, Chris Scott's flipped that on its head and said, yep, we're going to tag the bejesus out of you. So is he in for a tough day or are they playing um, funny buggers, Chris Scott and the Cats? <laughs> Chris Scott is the master at mind games. He loves it. He loves stirring the pot in the media midweek. So, um, yeah, I mean, by coming out and saying that you're going to tag Lockie Neal, maybe it just um, maybe he just wants the Brisbane Lions players to become aware of it and maybe go into the game... Um, maybe focusing more on the Lockie Neal tag and trying to help him shake it off as opposed to winning the game of footy. We saw how distracted the Lions could get in round 23 when they just wanted to rough up Melbourne a bit and they got blown out, essentially. So maybe he's, yeah, just playing a little bit of mind games, uh, trying to get inside Brisbane's head and see if that can cause anything. But, um, yeah, again, I think Brisbane have learned their lesson uh, from a few weeks ago and... Um, they're just going to focus on their own game. And, yeah, I mean, the, if they played like they did last week, the Lions, and just, well, in the second half at least, and just lower their eyes um, instead of just bombing it long to Geelong's best defense in the competition, they they can cause the Cats some issues. The other issues that the uh, Lions had previously was around Zorko, hot-headed uh, Zorko, you know, the captain, can the captain act this way? Can he be sledging players? Can he be getting in trouble? Can he be getting provoked? And all of a sudden, everyone's come out from Brisbane and said, Zorko's the reason why we're in this position. He has been leading us so well. His energy's been great. He's been picking us up off the ground. He was a reason, part of the reason why that halftime turnaround happened last week against the Demons. Is he going to expect another barrage this week? Or if you're a smart Geelong Cats player, we just leave him alone? Let him simmer it quietly in the darkness. It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, again, in big finals, you always try and get in the heads of your opponents. But I think for the Cats, again, you, the most important thing is just focusing on your own game, isn't it? You don't, you don't want to um, get distracted too much and uh, focus more on, yeah, provoking some opposition players or... Yeah, trying to get a reaction out of them. It's a prelim. You can't you can't do that. But there, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of early argy bargy. But you know, by the time the first ball is bounced, um, yeah, all focus has to be shifted to the game. No, it will. And to round out, all focus gets shifted to the stats just at the end to give you some clarity amongst our you know nuanced chit chat about footy. And the number one thing that you said to me, Nico, on a, on a Tuesday morning, I believe it was in the office, was that finals is all about territory. Well, Geelong has won the time and four and a half differential by seven and a half minutes this season. That's uh, equal first in the competition. And that basically sets them up because then they're ranked number one in basically everything else in the competition. They've only considered 10 goals a game since round 15. 
they've outscored their opponents from intercept possessions in every game since the buys by 33 points. That's number one in the AFL. They're the best defensive one-on-one team. They're the best for efficiency inside 50. Uh, and they concede the less scores from inside 50 as well. And the only thing that Brisbane matches them for is pressure factor based on last week against the Ds. Um, yeah. Otherwise, the the Lions on paper have been very, very iffy. But if we know anything, prelims, finals, footy in general is not one on paper. Yeah. Um, so if you want to pick with your gut and go with the Lions, you can do it. But I'll be picking with the stats, as I always do. <laughs> and it's going to be the Cats. Yeah. One that is much trickier to pick, in my opinion, is the we, weren't, we thought they weren't ready game between the Swans and the Pies, the Battle of the Birds, the Battle of the States. Sydney versus Melbourne, Victoria versus New South Wales. It's not quite so of origin because most of these players come from football, football nation, but that's okay. <laughs> but um, all year we've just said, Pies, this can't happen. This is going to run out. You can't keep winning games by such slender margins. And uh, the Pies said, yeah, you're right. We can't keep winning these games by slender margins. We're going to win a uh, semifinal by 20 points. And so a comfortable win in the end for the Pies. Um, whereas the Swans, you know, they're a season too early. You know, they've still got some developing players. Are they finals ready? Can we trust them? Yes, you absolutely can. They knocked off the running premiers in week one. They finished in the top four, and now they're a win away from a grand final. Where do you read this one? Who's got the hotter form? Is it the Swans, who I think have now gone eight games straight? Mm-hmm. Or is it the Pies that just love to win close ones under the pump? Um, I'm going to, again, as I said for the last game, this is all about momentum. Finals is all about momentum and Collingwood has that momentum because they're coming off probably their best game in a long time. I mean, they really put in probably their best four-quarter effort against Fremantle that we've seen probably all year from the Pies. Um, And yeah, they're red hot. And uh, although, you know, the Swans, um, they're coming off an eight-game winning streak themselves, much like the Cats have played one game in almost a month. It's not the best preparation for a prelim. Um, I'll say it again. And the thing with the Swans as well is that they probably don't have the experience um, and the maturity that Geelong have um, to deal with it. I mean, they probably do, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, But yeah, I I just see Collingwood um, coming out, firing. Um, I think their preparation's been better saw what McRae did during the week at Collingwood's training ground. Um, he drew the lines to fit the dimensions of the SCG. They've been practicing on the smaller field. Um, and yeah, again, much like much like the Lions, I think for, uh, Collingwood's belief, again, is at an all-time high. And they've got nothing to lose. They really have nothing to lose. Um, and it's going to be completely different from their round 22 game. I think it was against Sydney at the SCG. The Swans broke Collingwood's winning record in that one. Um, but that was Collingwood's flu game. They had a few players missing. I think McRae would have taken a lot of, um, a lot of pointers out of that one as well, that they'll be sure to fix up for this game. And I'm just expecting this to be a real thriller. Like this could be one of the games of the season, I reckon. Absolutely, and it's interesting you brought up the uh, the ground dimensions chat that always seems to happen. You know, can does Sydney have this advantage because of their ground? And really, like the only ground that's significantly different in the competition is Cardinia, which is why Geelong's so keen to play there mm. every funnels, and they can't because it's tiny. But but otherwise, in terms of like length, the SCG is one hundred and fifty five meters long, and the MCG is one sixty. 
the width of so that's only a five meter difference. The width of the MCG is one forty one. The width of the SCG is one thirty six. Uh, that's also only a five meter difference. Uh, there's not a lot of difference between the two grounds. Back in the day, there was, but they've opened it up. It it all kind of kind of works now, and they're quite similar grounds. What will be different, however, is that if this was a Collingwood home game, there'd be ninety thousand absolutely manic Collingwood fans going berserk. There won't be that in uh, in Sydney, even if mm. it was a whole Sydney crowd, um, Collingwood crowd, because there will be a lot of Collingwood fans making the trip up, coming out from Sydney. They they live everywhere. Collingwood fans. They they are <laughs> as do. rampant as COVID, and I I mean that you know in whatever sense you want to take it, but uh, <laughs> it won't be as hostile as it was if it was at the MCG. But um. Aside from that, the intangibles, speaking of hostilities, do, again, another, it always seems to be like one player is the key catalyst for like getting under the skin. If you're Sydney, are you going after uh, Ginevan? Because Sydney's come out and told their crowd to get off him. Don't, <laughs> don't get under his skin. Don't provoke him. Leave him alone. If we all ignore him, he'll behave himself. <laughs> well, that's exactly, it's a good, it's a good point they've made. Um, I don't like provoking players in in big finals um, because if if they get a goal or something, then it it becomes such a massive momentum shifter. Um, And then the crowd, you're just inviting the crowd to get more involved. And you won't want to do that against Collingwood. Like you said, Collingwood fans are scattered all all over the country. And even though it's at the SCG, I'm expecting... um, I guess, I wouldn't say 50-50, maybe a 60-40 in Sydney's favour... But um, Collingwood fans are very vocal. Ginevan can be a real wild card if you know he gets on the end of a couple and um, shifts the momentum, gets a couple of free kicks. Don't don't provoke it. And I think the umpires will be keeping an extra eye on Ginevan as well. Obviously, after all the media chat that you know he's getting a little bit hard done by, I reckon they're gonna um, be a bit more stricter on a few calls um, going his way. So. Yeah, just I, I just stay clear. Focus on your own game. Um, that's what the Swans have to do. Um, and if they do it, their best footy is capable of winning, obviously. And um, they they should be winning this one at home and booking that place in the grand final. We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs> Sometimes we need to look at games from the current statistical advanced analysis that we can get. Sometimes you need to go on the time machine. And I think you'll remember this uh, vividly, if not, you know, friendly. But uh, 2012 final series seems to ring true to me here. So Hawthorne played Collingwood in the qualifying funnel and Hawthorne won convincingly. Yep. Uh, well, Geelong played Collingwood in the, in the qualifying funnel this year and they won pretty convincingly in my, in my opinion. It was tight, it was close score, but I think Geelong was always winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you fast forward, and then Collingwood plays Sydney 
in Sydney, ANZ Stadium, not the SCG, but, you know, same, same difference. And they go on, Sydney goes on to play the number one team in the competition, Hawthorne, that year, and obviously Sydney jags it by 10 points, which you remember correctly. Does this have the same vibe to you as uh, 2012? Can Sydney get through Collingwood at home and then jump the Cats, who all year have been the number one team in the competition? So you'll have to refresh my memory. Sydney didn't make top four that year or they did? They did make top four that year. They did They did make top four. They, they finished third. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's got a lot of similarities. Um, I'll give you that one. But I still think that Sydney team in 2012 just had a little bit more finals experience. The likes of Ryan O'Keefe, uh, Josh Kennedy... Those sorts of guys at their at the peak of their powers. Um, Roberts Thompson, I think, was there. I think, um, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think yeah, um, Melcheski as well. The list goes on. Jared McVeigh, they had a ridiculous amount of um, finals experience in that group of players, and this one is still developing a bit. It's a similar route. You are right, um, but I guess yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But. Uh, I think there's still um, still a bit of a gap between this Sydney team and the one that won the flag that year. But in saying that, I still think this Sydney side is capable of winning this week and winning the premiership if all goes their way. Yes. And so to round out with some stats as well, again, on paper, this is very similar to Geelong versus Brisbane. Like Sydney are the statistically dominant side in comparison to these two teams head-to-head. They're basically ranked second currently in the competition behind Geelong in most things, especially in defensive metrics. So since round 15, they've only conceded 66 points per game. So that's only one goal more than Geelong. That's second defensively behind Geelong, obviously. Uh, They've won 30% of their one-on-one defensive contests, ranked second. Same with offense, ranked second behind Geelong. They score uh, the second best in the competition from the possessions. Every metric you'd want to build a finals-winning team, Sydney has over Collingwood. But where's Collingwood's angle? Well, it was last week, uh, the, you know, post-clearance pressure factor all year, 170. Yeah. They are manic. They are crazy. They just go with it, and they just try and get it done. And six round, since round 16, the Magpies have won six of seven matches. They have trailed at three-quarter time in. They're just never out of it. So there's just a survive. And they know they can walk into the change room at three-quarter time if they're down by three goals, two goals. As long as it's under four goals, really, they just know we've done it before, we've done it all year, we can do it again. Yep. And really, there's, there's no reason why, you know, we kept saying it can't happen, it can't happen. Well, that was 12 weeks ago. It's kept on happening for three months. So maybe it's too late to believe, but, uh, you know, I'll definitely be watching and uh, keeping, keeping an eye on it. And we'll also be keeping an eye on is your picks and tips for the weekend. Thanks to our friends at Sportsbet. Yep. Uh, if you do that thing, do it responsibly or don't do it at all. You don't have to if you don't want to. But uh, <laughs> if you do want to, what have you got for our users and listeners? Well, I, I'm going to go for both. Uh, both my tips this week will be on tonight's game, uh, Gordo. I am backing in. Firstly, I'm backing in tonight's game to be a very high-scoring game. I'll get to that in a second. But I'm backing in Jeremy Cameron to kick three or more goals. The stage is set. He loves playing at the MCG, Jezza. Um, it's a big finals game. And I think, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of goals and he's going to be at the forefront of them. So I'm backing him in to get three or more goals. Um, and my pick, Gordon, I'm going the Lions. I'm going the Lions to win. 
I think they're at $3.50, which is massive outsiders for a preliminary final. And to add to that, I'm going to put them over the uh, total game points line of 159.5 because six of Brisbane's last seven matches have gone over that total uh, match points line. I think it's going to be open. Geelong like to score. Brisbane like to score. Brisbane don't like to defend, but I'm just expecting them to cause a massive upset and I'm kind of rooting for the uh, the Brisbane Collingwood uh, grand final, the the repeat of the uh, of the 2002 and 2003 grand finals. So they're my two tips. I uh, wouldn't put my house on them, but that's what I'm going for. That's right. Probably don't put your house on anything, to be honest. But that's just what we called. We had a sponsor once that was related to housing. That's why it's called what it is, and we just kept it because why not? It works. It's fun. Speaking of, uh, you know, getting your money back, putting your house on it this week from Sportsbet, they've got the uh, same game multi insurance for the Premier Final weekend. So if you put a three leg or more multi on, same game multi that is, and if, if it loses it all, you get your money back in bonus bets. Do with that information what you will. And what I've done is build out three same-game multi-picks for you. One for tonight, the Big Cat same-game multi. Now, you're on Brisbane. I'm on Geelong. I've been on Geelong for ages. If you've been listening to us, you know, ramble yeah. on about footy yeah. in Footy Live, I've been rambling on about Geelong way before I was rambling on about Fremantle. <laughs> they, they just need to win more. Chris yeah. Scott should go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Joel Selwood should be one of the best players of all time best captains anyway and to do that they need more grand final wins they need more premierships they have to win tonight to make that happen so i think geelong win head to head tonight that's the first leg of the multi they've won their last 14 home matches against brisbane yes brisbane's off beaten hoodoos left right and center not against geelong not in a preliminary final tom hawkins also loves playing against lions so in round four he finished with 14 disposals seven marks uh and five goals. I reckon he's going to get 15 disposals tonight and three goals. So that's paying $5. And if the overs uh, can happen as well, uh, if the rain stays away, but, you know, you can't trust Melbourne weather. So I'll just go with that three-legger for five bucks. And then the second one, the big one, Collingwood versus Sydney, or Sydney versus Collingwood, I should say. It is in the, at the SCG. A big old bird attack. First thing I think it's guaranteed to happen, this game's going unders. This is going to be two defensive juggernauts, agents of chaos. It's going to be scrappy. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tense. It's going to be everything we hate about home and away football, but love about finals footy. Then I'm taking Collingwood at the line because they're getting a three-goal head start, and nine of their last 11 matches have been decided by 15 points or less. If Collingwood does lose, which I think they probably will, it'll be by less than three goals for sure. And the big man. Who is the biggest man in the AFL? Well, it's not Mason Cox, but he's pretty, pretty tall. And he loves finals. Buddy. Eight career finals games. He averages Mason Cox. Mason Cox averages five marks, three contested, and 1.1 goals in his eight career finals games. He'll be kicking one against the Swans. So unders, the line, and Mason Cox, and that's paying $8 for something that I think is actually a fairly decent shout of getting up on Saturday night. Spoken like a true expert there. True yeah, yeah, give us, yeah, true betting expert. And you know what? If you have been following along, it has been quite a successful season. Even though I do say so myself. I think if we say so ourselves, is to watch all the funnels action uh, wherever you are. But follow along with the Footy Live app. 
It fits in your pocket. You can whip it at any time and um, follow all the action. And we'll be back next week to uh, preview the big dance if uh, COVID doesn't take us all down first. See you then. <laughs>